0: Frank was an intelligent man, a graduate of a Christian university, well-versed in the Bible, and a deacon in the church. These might all sound like favorable qualities, but Frank used them in a very manipulative fashion. Most of the members of the blue-collar congregation, including the elders, were intimidated by his education, knowledge, and intellect. So when he spoke, everyone felt compelled to listen. And he spoke often. Every time someone did something he didn't like, Frank would complain to the elders and confront the perceived offender with an accusation of liberalism his one-size-fits-all charge, which basically meant any position or action he didn't like. This was in spite of the fact that he held some very peculiar and biblically questionable beliefs himself. This went on for years, and the church settled into a pattern of inactivity for fear of arousing Frank's ire. Anytime he objected to something, it was stopped, no matter how effective, productive, or helpful it might have been. As a result, the common congregation was dominated by one man's opinion on just about everything. The situation was deadening in its effect, but no one seemed to know what to do about it, and many didn't even realize what was taking place or the degree to which Frank's selfish outlook was hindering the church's life and service. So, to keep the peace, no one said or did anything. After many years of this, a young minister came along who didn't know any better, and he openly challenged Frank on several occasions. This gave the elders courage, and they too began resisting Frank's domineering ways and refused to allow him to control the church any longer. Finding that he could no longer bluster his way over others, he shortly left for another congregation, (laughs) only to begin the same destructive pattern of behavior all over again. Disciplining the Domineering. I like that quote there at the top. And it said Diatrophes is the father of a long line of sons who have not listened or who have not learned to distinguish between love for Christ and his church and love for their own place in it. Anonymous
1: has a lot of good quotes.
0: <laughs> so Frank. Let's discuss Frank. What do we what do we know or, or what was what do we learn about Frank from this uh, from this story? What did, he wanted his own way. What's that? He wanted his own way. He wanted his own way. way, okay. He wanted his own way.
2: Thus, not a team player.
0: Not a team player.
1: He was the, the wisest one there. <clears throat> Don't believe that? Just ask him. Just ask
0: him. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He intimidated people, right? You're going to say something else?
2: Well, and, and either in concert with that, or or on top of all of that. It, it didn't seem like his views were biblically based. Okay. They were. They were. You know. <coughs> probably cloaked with biblical tone, okay. but didn't seem to be necessarily be uh, in, in view of searching for the truth.
0: Okay. Bob.
2: The elders were not leading Peter. Yeah. They were
0: leading yeah. Behind. Yeah. The elders were letting Frank lead, weren't they? Right. Yeah. So when you think of Franks in the church, they tend to, and I think we probably, and I'll ask this question again later, but just rhetorically right now, we've probably all known of some Franks, maybe, where they tend to dominate the churches they attend, they stifle good works that could be done. They exhaust the elders, they intimidate good people into silence, and generally they depress the church. So they're very domineering. It's their way or the highway and they'll go to whatever lengths it takes to get their way. Turn to 3 John if you would, 3 John. Does anybody have the ESV or the NIV, either one of those? Craig? The ESV. ESV. Would you read, just read Third John. It's only 14 verses. Just read the whole, uh, the whole letter there.
3: The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, <clears throat> behold, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health. As it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them.
0: Okay. So, what do we know about Gaius? Great, great,
3: great, great, great grandfather of Frank.
1: (laughs) Maybe.
3: Well, Gaius was the good guy. Yeah. Gaius was the
0: good guy. Yeah. Um, he can still be the great, 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 great grandfather. Could could yeah. 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 So yeah. Someone yeah. who's
3: who's standing for the truth. Yeah. Walking in the truth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All we know about Gaius is what's written here. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Not much. Yeah. 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 Not much. Not much. So but I don't
1: think it's the same person that was in Acts 19. I don't know. Uh, when they were in Ephesus in verse 29. In the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that we know. No, but I think it's no. possible. It. Is, I, yeah, yeah. I think it would be possible, but, and I did not research to see how common of a name Gaius was. It may have been a super common name. I, I just don't know. Um, but even at that, that's basically all we know right we don't you know he's, he's not called an apostle um, but he appears to be someone that loves God and that John knows that loves God and is striving to follow after what Christ would have him to do or what God would have him to do so even though we don't know much about Gaius we do know that Frank is there right <laughs> Frank's there in this in this congregation right um, when we've got this Diotrephes, so if we if we take a look at verses 5 through 8 we see that John is first writing to encourage Gaius to continue offering hospitality to some traveling evangelists that have been coming through. So offer them hospitality, take them in, if you've got some means to help support them, do so because it's a good work that they are doing. But we know that this Frank, this Diotrephes is causing problems. And I find it interesting that elders are not mentioned. So I don't know that elders are a part of this church. Um, but it almost seems like Diotrephes has taken on that role as being the elder, if there was one, right? Um, but being in charge of what this group could or could not do, and what he said went. And um, basically, he didn't think that uh, he didn't think that it was right for them to do that whether he thought that they were preaching something wrong I don't get that impression I just think that he thought that um, maybe they were even above having traveling evangelists coming through that he could handle everything himself to the point where what would he do if other members actually even though he told them that they shouldn't do it what would he do to them if they decided that they would show hospitality to these traveling ministers yeah he put them out of the church what do you think that means he thought it was his church Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Thought it was his church. So if it's his church, then he can decide who's going to be in his church. Not Christ's church. And it said the reason that he did that, in verses 9 through 11, who loves to have, my version says, the preeminence among them. He wanted to be first. This is this idea of being very domineering, right? This, this Frank-like from this other story. That he, he wanted to be first. But not only did he want to be first, but he also didn't recognize what? The authority of the apostles. The authority of the apostles, right. right. So you have John writing this to the point where he even was disparaging, it seems like he was disparaging John and not giving the apostles the apostle John here the credit due um, as being an apostle of Christ why do you think Diotrephes had a problem with these um, with these evangelists coming through based on what we know what John has brought up about it why do you think, do you think he would have a problem with them
1: Bob? I would say because of their authority, because of their spirituality, because of their um, apostleship, okay. he wasn't first.
0: He wasn't first, that's right. So he would have been, or they would have been a potential threat to him and his quote, leadership, right? So the quickest way to get rid of a threat is just to not allow it to happen in the first place. And so I think that, that we kind of see that this, this domineering attitude. <clears throat> and I think it's important for us to also, um, also understand that for John, Diotrephes was not just a thorn in the flesh to John. He wasn't just a, a bit of an issue or a bit of a problem, right? That, you know, here's Diotrephes again. I'm going to have to, you know, no. No, this was... This was not someone who just had a different understanding of a scripture, but this was someone who was hindering the process of the gospel. And I think that is the key here, because that can't be tolerated, right? He was putting himself first, not Christ, hindering the process of the gospel and this domineering attitude. That was this character, this character of Diatrophes. So, how would you how would you describe his character then? He was a bully. A bully, okay, yeah. He was a bully. Proud. Proud. That's right. That's right. Refused to acknowledge any authority but his own. Right.
3: Yeah. He lost the focus.
0: Lost the focus.
3: Okay. He's also Great. someone who who is willing to slander others. Mm-hmm. Mindset who's uh, talking wicked nonsense. Right. Against that, um, it's one thing to disagree with a brother. Right. It's another thing entirely to to degrade them or belittle them in this disagreement. Right. And that's what he was doing to the apostles of all people, which is uh, old.
0: Yeah, yeah, isn't that true? Also said he squashed the good works of others because of his own rebellious spirit. So it seems like this group had some ideas or had the desire to do good works. That were legitimate works that could be done. Um, maybe even, you know, above and beyond just the hospitality to these traveling um, evangelists that were coming around. Um, but he was squashing that. Maybe because it wasn't his idea. You know, we've we've, we've probably all either know or have heard about people that if it's not a, their ideas, it's never it's not a good idea. But as soon as they make it their idea, then all of a sudden it becomes great. It's kind of the person that I see um, Diotrephes as. But John makes a statement about Diotrephes <clears throat> And what does John say he's going to do?
1: Very common. Attention to his deeds. Okay. Call him out.
0: That's right. That's right. So, you know, his, his behavior is not going to be without consequences, right? <clears throat> Even though he's disparaging John, belittling John and the other apostles, and, and questioning their authority, basically, um, he's saying that John is saying that Diotrephes' behavior is not going to be without consequences, and he plans to confront him if he can get there to where Gaius is. I think, you know, just in simplest terms, it's just important to remember it's never acceptable to allow self-focused people to dominate a congregation for their own purposes. So, just ask a question here. And I'm not going to ask for names, but (coughs) I, I would like to know if you've you know been in a or been in a situation have you ever experienced a congregation with a Diotrephes or a frank you know whether it's a member or a preacher or even an elder right i mean any of those could fall into that category yeah yeah i think i think i mean i've seen a lot of head shake um
1: what I'm thinking, I literally stood in the doorway of the church and decided who he was going
0: to let in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've had over over the years, I think that even you know places, places like Avon, we've had issues where we've had some, some people that would fall into that category. Um, I know growing up at a congregation that um, I felt like there was maybe even an elder that would have fallen somewhat into that category. So it's not just the lay people, right? I'm going to use that in quotes the lay people um, who can become a diotrophes. It can be those that are truly what we would call biblically knowledgeable, um, but there's something in their heart that changes. And changes the focus from Christ to themselves, and then we see this domineering effect. So, based on that, why do you think discipline is so important and necessary in these cases? So, uh,
2: Jesus in Luke 17 told his disciples it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come but woe to him through whom they come so there's a warning against those who place stumbling blocks in front of others okay and and he continues on to say it's, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and thrown into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble so there's this there's this negative Impact upon those who are trying to follow Christ and uh, that that needs to be dealt with.
0: Yeah, if you've got someone that is being very domineering then absolutely, yeah, that's that's a problem. Typically if you have someone that's very domineering if you just let it go, will it stop on its own? (laughs) No, it'll probably continue to get worse and worse, won't it? Because what happens if you don't stop something like that as it gets started? What is the person will become emboldened. Yeah, they'll become emboldened. And why might they become emboldened? There's no resistance. There's no resistance. I must what I'm doing must be approved by everybody, right? Must not be a problem. People must want me in this position. They want to be under my thumb. That's right.
3: Micah. In one of our earlier lessons, we talked about the language of belonging and the language of separation, mm-hmm. that we need to have a clear understanding of what it means to be part of the body, part of the church. Therefore, we know what is outside of the body or outside of the church. Well, if Diotrephes is putting people outside of the church, he is very much skewing what it means to be the church. He is he is kicking out those who are of the church. And so what is what is left is not really the church. It's followers of the Right.
4: Yeah.
0: No, that's a good point. Yeah. Craig?
3: And I, I, I know this example is talking about one person, you know, and I can think of scenarios where one person was doing that. Sometimes it's more than one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a it's a group of people who have gotten used to if they can collectively agree on something they can move the whole congregation in, in the direction they uh, feel it should go um, I think it's one of the reasons why this, this is dealt with with such urgency because not only will they become emboldened to do it more frequently right? but they may gather others and say well so and so and so and so agree with me too therefore this must be the way for the church um So it, it needs to
4: be dealt with quickly. So how do you know the difference between diatrophies who shouldn't be doing this? And if elders found someone teaching some error that maybe not everybody agrees with or everybody or a lot of more, more people agree with and don't agree with, that they might want to put others out. Like, how do you know the difference? Other than just, while well, you think the truth of the the situation right. is like, what is it that makes this different? I, it, the fact that John the Apostle is right. saying right. he doesn't have the truth, like right. he's not right in this. Right, but right. It and you know
0: the 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 title of this chapter is the domineering, right? Um, those that are, are domineering. Um, mm-hmm those that are insisting on having their way those that are um, elevating themselves I think even in this case we see even above Christ because he's saying that he has the authority to do what you know, what he really doesn't have to do so maybe in the, in the case of this lesson um, it would be that standpoint you know? um, because we did and in, in, um, I think it was said maybe before you walked in but we did say this is, this is not just a thorn in the flesh for John this isn't just Diotrephes disagrees with him on a scriptural or a, 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 you know how to interpret a, a piece of scripture. This is um, someone who basically is is um, making themselves the preeminent person in this church, unrightfully so, and lording it over those um, whom he does not have the authority to do that. Hmm. So, um, from that standpoint, I can see. How it might be easy to identify a diatrophies, but and maybe we wouldn't call the other person a diatrophies. Maybe we would just call them. I don't know. You know, is it is it is it ever wrong to question and want to study and try to find the truth? Absolutely not. Um, are there going to be things that? And I guess that would be another question we could talk about too, if we needed to or wanted to. But you know, are, are, would there ever be times where you know what we just maybe don't see perfectly eye to eye on every piece of scripture? Yet we can still, you know, have unity and still um, worship together and still love one another. Um, even if you know, even if um, let's say Tony, you and I, let's say you and I are discussing something, and I just like, yeah, you know what? I just don't see the scripture saying that. And you say, well, that well, I do. Well, you know what? It's really not going to affect my relationship with you, and I still love you as a brother, and I can still worship with you. Um, maybe it co- it's a cause that we could study it some more and maybe even after further study, we still see it differently. I think it's interesting because you've got, you've got, you know, scholars from how many different Bible colleges in the U.S. that have been, gone to school for years and years and years and study, and yet there's still a lot of of people that you take one particular passage and, you know, you get this group that says, well, I see it this way, and this group that says, well, I think hermeneutically I see it this way, um, but yet, in a lot of cases, you know, they can tend to work together. So,
4: yeah, I thought of it kind of like um, even if your right, doesn't give you the right to abuse other people. And I think that's what Diotrephes is doing. He's overstepping his bounds. Even if he were the elder of the church or one of the elders of the church, right? You know, just the way he's going about this, it's like uh, Paul says to Timothy uh, that a worker not, not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth of it's a sword and a sword rightly handled doesn't need to lop off everybody's head right and so it's kind of being able to how how you how you how you uh administer that uh it's kind of like with david where he has individuals who see him as the rightful king and so they're okay with often a few of his political opponents and he says no like Bush have. what was he doing wrong? Or Abner, what was he doing wrong that you had to you had to go and kill these right. people? Like, just because I'm the rightful king does not give you the right to misbehave. And so I think that maybe is like with the, with the, with the diatrophies, the, the difference is even if you were right on what he was uh, thinking or teaching or anything like that, right. it wasn't right for him to behave this way. No, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Well, John. Moses is similar.
2: You know, there are two times back to back in Numbers 14 and 16 where, you know, his leadership is challenged. Yeah. And his response is he falls on his face. Now, I mean, this is Moses. And so, attitude has a whole lot. in his Absolutely. Name. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. David?
1: Yeah, someone can be right doctrinally, but go about it in the wrong way. Hmm? And, yeah, humility. The scriptures are full right. of statements about being humble and you know, God resisting the crowd.
0: Right. No, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I know you're not saying this and you weren't saying this, Tony, you know, but I think it's worth saying that I think based on what John says, Doctor Fees probably wasn't doing what was right. But like you said, even if he was,
4: the way he was going about it was hundred percent wrong. Yeah. Even yeah. if he like if, if the people that he's putting out, even if he was right in his teaching about, like, you shouldn't be doing what these people are doing, it's the way he goes about doing that. Yeah. Because it's one thing to be disagreeable, or to disagree, it's another thing to be disagreeable. Yeah. And so. Good. That's good. <coughs> yeah. I just want to make sure that we understood the, the distinction here about what, what, what it is that's wrong about diatrophies, that it's not just. Well, it's okay if I do this as long as what I'm teaching is the truth, and that doesn't give you license no. to just act however you want to act. Right. Nope, I think that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right.
0: Any other comments before we move on from diatrophies? Okay. So so this idea of disciplining the domineering You know, number one, if we just let it go, it's not going to get any better. It's probably just going to get worse. It's going to get worse because if people don't get any pushback, if they think that everybody agrees with them, then they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Um, Two, the benefit of those, normally the benefit of those type of people is that when they get pushback, it starts to shut them down. But they're not going to be shut down unless they do get pushback. Right? Um, but the importance, I think, of discipline is that if the only thing we ever do is push back, then the easiest thing for them to do is just to take their ball and go home to another place and start the whole process over again. And that's why I think this idea of discipline in this situation is important. Um, so that... so that. Um, So that it might be known that there was a problem here and brought to his attention um, other than just, well, people don't agree with me, so I'm going to go find somebody that does. No, it's more than people don't agree with you. People think you're wrong. God thinks you're wrong, and this needs to be be corrected. So, good. All right. So, we've talked about the domineering. Now let's talk about the divisive, because there's a little bit of difference there, right? The end result can be the same, but there are certain times, there are people that have the attitude of being very domineering, are those that just like to be divisive. I've known people that like to be divisive. They like to stir up trouble. They enjoy that. And sometimes they don't want to be in the middle of it. Sometimes they just want to stir it up and then step back and see what happens, which I think is even worse. Because if you're going to stir it, you might as well be in it. But no. So let's take a look at Titus 3. So, here in Titus 3, um, Paul is continuing to direct Titus on certain things that he should and shouldn't teach. Um, when he talks, he starts off says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready in every, uh, for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, and so forth. Then down in verse 9, this is where we kind of pick up. But avoid foolish disputes... Genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self condemned. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Titus very quickly, uh, just to make sure that we kind of remember who Titus was. Uh, Titus was a young preacher. And he was faced with, I think, in my opinion, he's faced with a very daunting task, right? You've got the uh, the the churches of Crete, and what what was the mission that he was given to do to for these churches? I'm not sure how he how he did it. Appoint elders. To appoint elders, that's right. To appoint elders in in every city, and. Um, Paul had a lot of a uh, lot of confidence in Titus, but he also knew that there were problems in some areas, and so he wanted Titus to, as a young preacher, to 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 kind of help help um, correct some things. Maybe Titus one five. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Wow, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And then he talks about. The elders. So, so we've got Titus tasked with this, with this, uh, with this job. Titus was um, he faced uh, quarrelsome teachers. We see in in chapter one. Um, he was tasked to appoint elders, and then in in three, Paul tells Titus to avoid foolish or stupid controversies. Titus three verse nine. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So what is this what is this kind of telling us that that Titus is probably going to be facing? Bob? Huh?
4: Cretans.
0: <laughs> Cretans. <laughs> yeah. That's where that came from. Thanks, Mr. Obvious. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> What, so, so, what seems to maybe be going on in some of these churches there in Crete?
1: Dave? I've heard a term used to describe this, majoring in minors.
0: <laughs> majoring in minors. I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, So, of greatest concern, maybe, in some of these congregations that you're going to face are going to be these people that are disputing about foolish things. Things that don't make any difference. Right? These things. These uh, genealogies and... and, and um, um, various foolish contentions strivings about the law i don't care how you look at the law as far as what the law means here it really doesn't matter you know there's people that think it's one civil law some people think it's the roman law some people think it's the old law it doesn't matter the point is these are issues that he's going to have to face that the churches are 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 striving with that really are of no importance when it comes to what Christ wants the church to be focused on. And the point is that some issues simply aren't worth discussing because they're unprofitable and futile.
2: So 1 chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. I don't know if those are if that's the same situation, but it, it seems
0: connected. At it those. does yeah uh,
2: for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, Especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they're upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain, empty talkers. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, and when it talks about of the circumcision, it does make me think that the law may be referring to the old law because they're having disputes and contentions over the law. Right. So, right, right.
4: But that's that's the situation. It's not that this doesn't matter. It does matter on some of these issues. Uh, some of those were big ones. And it's like, how, how do you parse that out, though, too? Like, right. Because because I may not find it like, well, it doesn't really matter which way you go with this. But to someone it does. And, like, not wanting to just go, well, it's not, it does, not important to me which way we do this. Well, then why are we strapping over this? Well, why can't you just do what I want you to do? And I mean, like... You get into you get into some messy areas of wanting to decide for someone else what's important and what's not important um, but these are things like John brought up that that's you know causing a lot of turmoil because what if this person's right about this and but it's clearly not what Paul was teaching and so like it's it's upsetting people because it's it's too, it's two uh, ways of going and you can't do both. And they're making it like, no, you have to do it this way. And Paul's saying, well, it's not that. And now you got division between families, so. right?
0: And I, and I think those verses are actually really tied to when he's talking about elders. What the, you know, once you appoint elders, this is their task. Their task is to, is to address these things that are going on in the church. Um, that's kind of how I saw that. Um, I think there's a principle and some application, maybe that that we see carry over there. Um, but then when I see in chapter three, verse nine maybe it's a little different when he's saying avoid these foolish or or, um, literally the word is stupid. Avoid these stupid disputes, genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law for they're unprofitable and useless. So, you know, the things that and and we don't know specifically what they are. Yeah, Yeah. And, And sometimes we maybe wish we would, right? But I think that we probably all can look back and think about some things that maybe we've been in conversations or discussions with or disagreements with on somebody, and once you get done, you look back and say, that really didn't, that really wasn't worth a hill of beans right <laughs> It didn't matter a bit whether you know they agreed with me or not, um, and it wasn't worth the amount of time we probably spent talking about it um, in in the grand scheme of things, and I think those are probably some of the the things he's talking about. But it's not just that he's saying don't do this. He's saying don't do this because they are doing it to the point where what is happening? What does he say there in verse 10? Divisions. Divisions, yeah. This is causing divisions. This, you know, you are letting foolish, worthless <laughs> things, things you're striving about, become divisive. You're dividing Christ. For the sake of things that don't mean anything. And he says, reject a divisive man. After the first and second admonition. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Some, per, in some versions say um, something to the fact of um, knowing, even knowing he's sinning. He's this way, knowing he's sinning himself, right? He knows it, but he's still going to do it. It's still it's, this, is, this is his nature. He's divisive. Like I said, we are probably all know some people that are kind of that way. Any chance I get, I'm going to cause a stir. I'm going to be divisive. I'm going to try to split things up. Um, not just that, you know, I want to discuss this and because I don't agree with what you think, but no, it's, it's deeper than that. This is, I've got a, an ultimatum. And the ultimatum is to, we're going to make a division here. We're going to try to divide some things. And Paul says... These divisive people, the people that want to divide, might
4: be a problem, and we need to take care of it. So how do I avoid myself becoming this person? Because I've got strong convictions about Mm -hmm. some things. Yeah, as we all should, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not always misplaced. Right. Sometimes they they are, and it's trying to identify that better. Mm -hmm. I think it's one thing that does help is like, okay, at the end of the day, like, Am I am I am I needing to do something different here? Right. Are, are they calling me to say you need to throw off Christ or something like that? Because some of that probably is what some people are teaching. But like, I've gotta gotta bring myself back to reality. Like, how how much does this really matter? And and uh, if we don't agree with this, like, is that does that affect our relationship? Does right. that affect me to still being able to worship here? You know, we've not always agreed on everything, and so like. You, trying to make that judgment call for yourself of um, how do I handle things even though I disagree about this like is it a Romans 14 kind of thing a lot of people don't want to shove stuff in there a lot of people want to shove too much Everything, stuff in yeah, there yeah. but we're not always going to agree on what that is right Okay, so giving people even some space for that kind of stuff and like I, I'm not saying you have to give people. I'm saying I no, have to no. give people space, right. to, to think for themselves and to ponder and, and to question and and to discuss. But to leave it at that, like, okay, well, I don't have to now go to the diatrophies extent, right? I don't have to really try to just run, Well, let's get everybody. Let's let's make a vote on this, and now let's take them down, and you know, because sometimes that that's how that works in our political society. And that bleeds into the truth. Bleeds in, it does, it does, and that's scary because it's like you—you you want to believe the truth, and you—and you want to be on the side of truth, but you got to be careful uh, where that takes you and how far you take some of that.
3: Karen, um, I was looking at the wording of my uh, verse ten for a person who stirs up division. Um, the kids and I have been reading through Proverbs, and there's plenty of times where it talks about. Um, stirring up anger, stirring up strife, you know, the idea of just stirring the pot and trying to get something going. um, The opposite of that is a soft answer. And, um, you know, a a contrite, um, humble heart. You know, we may disagree, but if we do it with the right kind of heart, then we're not going to be stirring up that pot to um, make things worse.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because It talks about the word of God. The word of God is divisive, right? I mean, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide. And so um, I don't think that we are seeing here these people are... I don't think Paul's talking about these people as being um, legitimate in their desire to divide out the bad and keep the good. I think this divisive person, these divisive people are ones that are there to stir up for the purpose of stirring up. That's why they're arguing over worthless things because there's probably no true right or wrong arguing over some of these things. And that's their focus and that's their purpose. And I think Tony brings up a good question too is how do I know when I am being divisive, right? What are some things that I might be able to... um, stop in in its tracks before it gets to the point where I would become divisive in my discussions or my disagreements or my um, study with someone if I didn't necessarily 100% agree with, with with the way that they they see a scripture and I think those are things that we have to we have to consider we have to really mull over um, and it you know I there again I'm going to keep going back to this idea of how much we love and know and want to have fellowship with each other, and I think if if that's in the back of our mind always, then it will help to maybe not always stop, but it'll help to at least check some of those attitudes and cause us to pause
4: um, before maybe it goes too far. I don't know. Other thoughts, Tony? So a couple passages keep coming to mind. Uh, kids and I were studying James together, and we keep coming to chapter three. The wisdom from above is first pure, coming from a pure heart, peaceable, gentle, and this next phrase—that's the one that always gets me—is willing to yield. There's some things I just need to concede a point on, or I, not that I would agree with with sin or anything like that, but just that sometimes I need to let some things go. You know, yeah. that this—I got to let that go. Right. And, and then Esau also says similar things to Timothy in Second Timothy 2. He says, A servant must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So even if you've got someone who is stirring up strife, the, the answer to that isn't fight fire with fire, but to cool tensions, to come and, with Humility speaking with these people to diffuse the situation as opposed to rile it up even more right and so it's more truth and more humility more coolness and that's oftentimes that that's either that diffuses it or it becomes profoundly obvious the people that are in the wrong because it's kind of like i, I know martin luther king you know, talked about this of like you know, it's not going out there and, and fighting back at these people that that want to you know throw you <coughs> in jail or anything like that, but it's 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 the peaceable assembly. The more peaceful you are, right. the more it's become obvious to everyone in the world that's going to know that those people aren't right. Even if they were right, that's not the right that's thing to do. R- yeah. That's not the right way to handle yeah.
0: that. They were diatrophies. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think based on what you were saying, too, it reminds me that that sometimes in those situations, I think we, f- we forget about the grace of God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fact that, you know, even if I'm 150% convinced I'm right and this person is wrong, um, I have to trust that that person has got a good heart. You've got a good heart. You're, you're striving to do what's right. And even if even if it's, it's not exactly the way that I see it, and I, I believe that you might be wrong in that, doesn't mean that I'm going to forget you. It doesn't mean that I'm going to kick you out. It just reminds me that you know what—that's what the grace of God is there for. And it—it, it, you know, n- not saying that I would still never try to to continue to talk to you about it, you know. But but uh, sometimes the the focused effort just needs to be dropped and say G- giving yeah. people the
4: space. That's right. To to learn to grow to breathe. I mean, yeah. just that that goes a long way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you have you have people at various levels of you know, sp- spiritual maturity, and is my bringing up point X, Y, or Z going to help them, or is it going <laughs> to be a stumbling block? Yeah. Right. Now yeah. What's my motive in that anyway? Right. I love Paul in First Corinthians uh, two. He's or yeah two. He says. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, back to Micah's comment about am I losing my focus? Am I getting over here in the weeds and not being focused on Jesus Christ and Him crucified? There are other matters of importance besides this, but that is the matter.
0: Right. (laughs) And and
2: if I I stay true there, I'm going to be probably busy enough that I can't be majoring in
3: these other minors. In
0: these other minors. Good. Good.
3: Yeah, and I think I think it pairs well with what the next lesson is going to talk about. Is there's going to be a difference between the people who are just trying to stir stuff up and the people who are teaching something contrary to the gospel of Christ? Right. And after studying with those people, you know, they are trying to subvert mm-hmm. the truth of the gospel. You know. Uh, I think these lessons I kind of I read them both today yeah. back to back and I think they do a really good job of complementing
0: yeah. each other yeah yeah because you have almost almost two extremes right um, yeah
3: because <clears throat> you don't want to say all we need is just to preach Christ and everything else is secondary well no there there are there are elements of the gospel that just because they call it the gospel doesn't mean it's what Christ delivered or what the apostles delivered right um, and so, being diligent to rightly divide the word to make sure that what is being taught is the full truth of the gospel. Um, and then, what do you do? What do you do with those who refuse to teach the full truth of the gospel, or try to add to? Um, you know, we're we're studying with some Mormons right now who believe that they are presenting the sure, gospel yeah. to us. They call it the same thing. Yeah. What do you What do you do? Um, We can't just say, "Well, we we both believe in Christ." No, we need to speak the truth in love. Right. Um, But eventually, there's a point where we have to call out false teaching.
0: Right. Yeah, and you know, it it doesn't mean that there aren't some commonalities that we can discuss. Right. Have some start with some common ground. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But but and then build on that. Build the truth on that. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. Uh, we had studied with some Mormons years ago and I, I would say try as using an example to make kind of the point that I'm trying to say here even <coughs> with that knowing how do, you, how do you decide what's the truth because it's kind of like sometimes I feel like in a gray area may not everybody agrees with me on this but so my example would be uh, what happens after we die uh, because what the Mormons believe is drastically different than what I think is going to happen. Right. But then again, a lot of it doesn't even matter. Second Peter chapter three verse eleven. <laughs> They're all going to get burned up. So right. No be, made, that's right? the important thing. Right. And so I won't argue with them on that because sometimes that's getting into the weeds of things. But the things that are drastically different than what the gospel says are the things they really need to discuss because. If you get Christ right with them, these other things kind of kind of just come with it. And so it's knowing the battle that really needs to be fought on these things as opposed to, well, we're we're, we're striving about things that just, well, who knows how exactly when the day's going to be and how it's going to turn out and exactly what time of day, you know, that we're all going to be called up. Oh, well, you know, like, right. we can get lost in it because there's huge... Doctrinal things about premillennialism, all those kinds oh, of things, yeah. and so you can get really lost into that. But what's what's that core? And so, like, address that first, and some of these other things come with that.
0: Yep, yep. Keep bringing it back to Christ. Yep, get that right. Thank you very much for your thoughts, comments tonight.